And welcome to Detention. Joining us this week for the news and politics section of the Detention Podcast, we have Mitch McConnell, Tom Tuberville, and the U.S. Senate. Excuse you. Thank you. And just like Eric, before we went on, I had a stroke the other day. I'm all right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, oddly enough, you know, Mitch McConnell, who we'll talk about uh, in just a little bit here, also uh, probably is just all right for the most part. Literally, politically, and physiologically. Yeah. Because the dude's fucking deteriorating before our eyes. Yes, I literally think he's falling apart. Like, his, his flesh is coming off of his bone. And hopefully he dies soon. <laughs> He's 81. He is 81. He's got to be... I mean, if you want to talk about, like, one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. Yeah, I mean, I, I could save this for when we when we get to him, but, I mean, we, we talk about retirement ages all the time. Actually, let's just start with him. Sure. Yeah, fuck it. We should... He should not be... We should not have politicians in public service at 81 years old. No, I mean, that's what I was going to talk about, too, right? Of, like, this just brings into more of the conversation of whether there should be, like, an age restriction for members of Congress as well as just term limits. Oh, God, yes. Right? Why would we allow someone who is 81 uh, to serve in a public office like this be a majority leader for your party, right? Cody's cracking a beer if anyone wants to know. Yeah. It's actually just a Minute Maid, but I'm sure he's got some vodka poured with it. Yeah, after I just cracked it. But it's it's just crazy. Um, if you guys are confused as to what we're talking about, Eric will explain. So the GOP leader, Mitch McConnell, froze during a news conference this past Wednesday, uh, so a week ago, for several seconds and had suffered a con- he had, as asshole, suffered a concussion earlier this year after falling down. And has apparently fallen several other times within this past year. So he is having constant falls. He's having laps of just lost space and time where he doesn't know where the hell he is. Um, he's also having to, he walks around with a limp. That's because he's a survivor of polio, though. So he's always kind of had a slight limp. But when he walks upstairs, he has to do one at a time. Uh, he has to have his hand rested on an aid to a system throughout the Capitol. Um, it's just kind of getting to the point of like, dude, just fucking give up. I doubt your, I doubt the majority, not the majority, but your party would be at risk of losing a Republican seat if you were to leave. Special election guaranteed another Republican's going to win that spot. I doubt a Democrat would. So it's not like you're going to face any type of party challenge because it's just such a Republican's part of your state. It's it's not going to be an issue. He's declined or declined uh, an explanation as to why he froze during that press conference, uh, though the aide said that he was feeling lightheaded at the time, which could be attributed to literally anything as to why you're lightheaded. Um, but it's just, again, bringing into question of, like, if you are like this, why would you want to serve? You're making yourself look worse the longer you stay. It's like saying Chuck Grassley... I mean, luckily, I, should, I shouldn't say luckily because fuck Chuck Grassley. But, like, he's at least been in good health for the most part. He's still an old man, so I'm sure he still has senile moments. But he's not, like, limping throughout Congress. He doesn't need an aide to help him get around. 
we're not hearing about him having any falls or anything. He still comes back to North Hartford where his family farm is, and he still does farming shit as much as he can. So he's at least a healthy guy. Maybe that's unfortunate. But it's like there's different levels, and if you are this old and starting to look this bad, you need to stop. Just like Diane Feinstein, right? And She's old as fuck, to, too. There's something to commemorate about wanting to serve your country and wanting to serve your constituents. I, and I respect that. But you need to know when to, like, hang it up. And he's been doing it for a long time. 40 years. It's not like it's anything new. He's, well, almost 40 years. Yeah. it's It'll be 40 years in, like, two years. Yeah. And I know when he was first elected for his latest term in 2020... They asked him if he would be, because he was in his later 70s, would you serve out the remainder of your term if you were to be elect, reelected again? And he says, yes, I most certainly will. Obviously, that was a few years ago before you can anticipate him having issues of losing time and space and falling all over the fucking place. Um, but his next election is in 2026. So at that time, I would hope to fucking God, he's like, I can't do this anymore. Well, I mean, if you guys haven't actually seen the video, go watch it. It's Weird, because you had sent me it over, what, TikTok, I think? Yeah, and, mid-sentence. Yeah, and I was just watching. I'm like, what fucking shit is he going to say now? And he just stopped, and I'm like... And then he doesn't pick it up. Yeah, and then you, the first time anybody says anything was maybe, what, 15 seconds of silence? And mm-hmm. some reporter goes, Mitch, are you okay? And then another Republican colleague kind of comes in, scoots him off to the side, yeah, answers some questions, and then Mitch comes back and is able to answer questions after that. But it, it's so weird. It's just, again, proving the point of like, if you are to this point, you could not, you should not have that job. No. And we both agree that Diane Feinstein should not have that job because she was out for several fucking weeks. And now she's, I don't know if I sent you this. There's a video of her at a, uh, some session where she actually is putting in a vote, right? For the Democratic Party. She sits there, they're reading the bill off and then it's her time to vote. She looks at her aide and the aide just says, just say yes. Kazoon tight again. That's problematic. So then the aide just tells her, just say yes. And she says, yes, that's <laughs> it's, problematic. It's just like, that's not how government should be. Well, in the article about McConnell is there was one other time where he was in a hearing or a meeting or, something was happening and he had either been asked a question or was getting an answer to a question mm-hmm. and he had to have the person repeat it and everyone else around him heard it clearly. Yeah. Um, it was another like press conference deal where they were asking him questions and he could not hear them ask it, but everyone around him could clearly hear. So obviously his hearing is going, but I mean, he's fucking 81. True. But at that same time, I mean, to that point though is, if you can't hear what people are saying, you can't stay healthy enough. Like when he fell, he was out for six weeks with a broken rib. Yeah. If you can't. And a concussion. Yeah. If you can't do the basic duties because you're injured, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that you need to be kicked out because you're injured by any means because that's not legal. But if you can't stay healthy to do the job, like you can't perform your duties. Exactly. Therefore, your seat is being. Vacated. Really? Really, in a sense. And how are you serving your constituents? Exactly. At that point. I mean, obviously, they're going to go along with whatever the fuck you do, just because they're all crazy Republican voters anyway. I shouldn't say all of them. 
there's probably a decent amount of them that aren't like super crazy. But obviously, with how he votes politically, they're not going to have any issue with what he does. Right. Because he's in a part of the country where a lot of people are just going to be in agreement regardless. Yeah. I just... So it, it, it just speaks to the point again of like, why are you still here and yep. we need to get you out? Yes. And again, it goes for both sides. There are Democrats that need to do the same thing. Yes. Because you're too fucking old. It just, it needs to stop. Term limits, age limits. I'm all for it. Exactly. All right. Next uh, piece I wanted to talk about, and this almost could have gone to the sports episode earlier this week, but I kind of wanted to push to this is that the PASS Act was proposed by Congress. So it's a bipartisan group of U.S. senators proposing federal law that would regulate how college athletes are allowed to make money and would reshape the health care that they are guaranteed to receive from schools. I'm telling you right now, before we get to it, that health care part really pisses me off. I So, I, I, again, I'm seeing this as the first part sounds great. Right. The, and it's bipartisan for a reason, and I guarantee that the second half of you know the healthcare portion is what made it a quote bipartisan bill. It irritates the shit out of me. So uh, let's see, Senator Tommy Tuberville, who we'll talk about here in just a sec, and Joe Manchin introduced the Pass Act. Uh, leaders of the NCAA have traveled to Washington this past summer to try to convince Congress to act, hence this bill. The NCAA says that the current lack of nationwide standard has created a, quote, race to the bottom among state legislatures that have passed laws designed to try to give teams in their state a competitive advantage in recruiting, which is specifically the NIL deal that was passed this past fall, I think. I think so, or the year before that. Something like that. It was within this last year. Um, And we've both kind of talked about how there are potential good to it, but it's really going to run amok because obviously larger states who have more money in them are going to be able to get better recruits, which then really... bigger programs. Yeah, or just disadvantages schools and states. Uh, This national law helps control NIL deals as well as require schools to provide health coverage for sport-related injuries for eight years after athletes finish their college eligibility. Yeah, I have so many issues with that. And that's the part that kind of gets really strange. Well, it's not even just just that. If you actually say the next line in that article, it Mm -hmm. says out-of-pocket expenses. Yes, so like there's two categories with this here is the athletic departments that generate more than $20 million annually would be required to cover out-of-pocket medical costs for two years after an athlete's playing career. Then a departments that generate more than $50 million annually would have to cover for four years of out-of-pocket expenses. And here's where I have a problem with this. If they were still a student athlete, zero problem with that. They're already getting that treatment anyway mm-hmm. to fix themselves. And should you be paying for the all the medical expenses for them, for them being hurt at the university? Yes, absolutely. Because pretty much they're working for the university, if you really think about it. My issue is, if I leave my job, my health insurance does not go with me. True. I would say that to an extent, schools that earn a bunch of money should be able to pay student athletes for injuries that they sustained while in college. So, like, if a student athlete who plays basketball or whatever, right, gets a torn meniscus or something or whatever, that then has to have several years of rehabilitation or some serious injury, right, and that they still have to live with certain health complications due to that injury that they sustained in college, 
I can see that as being a reason to keep paying for it for a certain number of years outside of college, right? To, to my point, though, I still disagree with that because, uh, again, if I sustain an injury at work yeah, and I go to another job, that work is still not – that job beforehand is still not going to pay workman's comp for my uh, physical therapy – after I leave that job. True. And you could just, I mean, say that that's a societal systemic issue. Agreed. But so, if you're going to have this for yes, the majority, like what, 95 to 96% of the American population who is not a student athlete, if they have to pay all their out of pocket or whatever their medical coverage is from one job and then they leave that job to another job. You you have to have the same consistency. That's what I'm saying. You have to start somewhere. This could be that starting process of because of this, then you can start arguing for other jobs where a construction worker is injured on the job, but then five years or 10 years down the road, they switch occupations. That previous job still has to pay for any medical complications that you suffered from that accident. Yeah, you will never get that passed. You're right. You would never, but you have to start somewhere. And I think this, this is could, not where we should start it. You're right. It shouldn't start with student athletes, but it looks like it possibly could. But again... I, I do believe that a lot of things can change. There's no way this will ever change. No, it's not going to change because society. of insurance money, because of like political assets. You will not get that ever to be passed because it makes no sense for one business to pay for a prior employee that is no longer there. Yeah. I don't care if they were injured in the job or not. It makes no sense. If you decided to leave this company, that, that's on you at that point. Because you were no longer an asset to us. What if they were fired? That's a little bit different. So like if you were a construction worker, but you were fired, even though you're part of the union, right? You could still argue that you would get health benefits from that previous insurance. I think it depends on the reason you were fired. True. It probably would depend on that too. But, you know, that's just circumstantial. But Everything is circumstantial. To true. But that's what most laws are for. Yeah. This is not the way to do it. The fact that you're talking about passing a bill that you're all you're doing is just giving free money to these athletes. And I I'm hating every second of it. I don't think that student athletes should just get everything fucking handed to them because they play a fucking sport. Like the NIL deals that are going on, the fact that you can just fucking go anywhere you want and demand all these trades. This is what's happening in the NBA, right? We talked about that last Monday at, well, with the sports context, but I am so fucking sick of all this shit of, Oh, we'll just give the athletes all this. And it's a very, I guess, Republican view of me to say we don't just give free handouts. But no, what are they actually doing? They are providing entertainment. That is generating a oogu bucks, depending on the sport, for universities. Yes. Guess what? So, my production at my job gets oogu bucks, potentially, for my employer. Do I see that? Nope. They give me my health benefits, and they give me my salary. That's it. They should not just be getting... Untamed NIL deals, which is what they're trying to do with this pass act. They should not just be getting free health care because they potentially get injured. That's sports. Yeah. And I would just to kind of cut it down of. I would say if it was sustained during their time at school, I can see how that could be a little bit more reasonable. But just this just says health care coverage. So even after the school, after they've done play for the university, they've graduated, they have a degree. Three years down the road, they break a leg. That's covered. I don't agree with that because that's you're no longer part of the university. Why would I have to pay for that? I can see that. There's a little bit of a gray spectrum area to where what degree I would say, no, you should not be able to pay students for that. 
obviously with if they're a student athlete and they do get injured at the university, they do get that coverage while they're there. That's a four-year time potentially of them being able to get free health care. Any time outside of that, depending on the severity of the injury, let's say someone's paralyzed while they're playing the sport at a university. That happened at Rutgers. I can see how the university would at least be somewhat liable to pay that student's healthcare coverage for a certain number of years outside because they literally lost all mobility of their life. But I also think, going to your point earlier, is that there are certain contingencies that need to be made. Yeah. But you shouldn't just give a blanket universal healthcare coverage to all, all student, student athletes. athletes. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Just because, to me, they're not really affecting the, the masses. Right. And I also think it's romanticizing sports being your your main outlet. Like all you're telling kids with this to me is if you play sports, you're set for a long time. If you play in college, as long as you're good. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you play for college, you're set just in college. I mean, you obviously probably wouldn't go to Juco or like community colleges, but if you're playing for a power five or you're playing for one of the bigger name schools that we know about Mm -hmm. for anything, you're good. I I, I think that's a really terrible precedent set when the point of universities is to educate. And now it's becoming, you can make a shitload of money and your healthcare is good for a long time. Nah, man, I don't play that. Same thing with going to the politics side of it, having Congress get, Good ass health healthcare for the rest of their life if they start a term. No, also don't agree with that. When you switch jobs, you switch healthcare insurance. That's how it works. Yeah, I can see that the idea is rooted in good faith, but the size and scope of how it's being implemented is clearly not the way it wants needs to go. I didn't think I was going to be that passionate about it, but damn, I'm that's irritating. It's a good discussion there. All right, moving into another political news. Honestly, uh, I didn't understand this when I was reading it, so this is all you. Okay, so <laughs> a federal judge struck struck down uh, an asylum, I should say regulation, that the Biden administration put in for migrants, specifically coming from Latin America and Mexico. So a federal judge in California this past Tuesday struck down the Biden administration's temporary restrictions on migrants seeking asylum. The Biden administration official imposed the temporary restrictions in May of this year uh, as they ended a pandemic-related policy known as Title 42 that allowed border agents to quickly expel migrants without considering their asylum claims. So um, if anyone's curious, if you are a migrant coming, I don't like any migrants listening to this, but if you are coming across the U S border and a migrant undocumented, if you were to claim to whatever agency picks you up or that you go to and claim that you are seeking asylum under the, uh, pandemic rules, they did not have to look into as to what is your claim. They just automatically accept you in as an asylum seeker. What this does, the Biden administration was trying to end that and say that, well, we can't just accept everyone coming across the border. We do need to have that old rule of they're claiming asylum, but we need to vet that asylum and see if why they need to be coming here or if it is legitimate as to the reasons that they're claiming to come to the United States seeking asylum. Um, the government's or this judge stated that the government 
Senate's plan to reduce legal crossings to the United States uh, and Mexico border violated federal federal law. The judge sided with an advocacy group that had argued that the Biden restrictions violate federal law in part of endangering migrants feeling harm and preventing migrants from seeking asylum if they cross the border illegally. The Biden administration immediately moved to appeal in hopes of preventing uh, the judge's ruling from taking effect. The Biden administration stated that lifting the restrictions would lead to a major influx of migrants that could overwhelm the migration system and cause several crowding or severe crowding in holding facilities. Uh, border apprehensions had dropped to just over 99,000 in June, and the first full month of the restrictions were in effect, a nearly 42% decline from the month before and the lowest monthly tally since Biden had taken office. Uh, immigration court is constantly backed up, allowing hundreds of thousands of migrants to claim asylum and allow them to work and live in the U.S. before their case is heard in front of a judge. So the major issue with this is, again, you're having an influx of migrants coming across the border. The Biden administration sees that as, you know, we're already backlogged on these court hearings anyway, and while they're here, quote, seeking asylum, they can work and live but we don't know if their claim is actually legitimate. So we're just allowing people to come across. I can see that as being a major concern. If you Now, sovereignty is kind of uh, uh, a tricky thing to kind of go by in politics. Of You can either have sovereignty in a country, you need to have explicit borders. So saying like this is the border between the United States and Mexico. Everyone across this border is American, everyone across that border is... Mexican. If you just allow people free movement between the two, then you are losing sovereignty between what is United States, what is Mexico. I can get that as you want to have your own set borders. However, obviously with the number of people who are clearly under harassment and endangerment from several different reasons in Mexico, them fleeing to come to the United States for a better life is not necessarily a bad thing assuming that they're claiming asylum, they're not just leaving because they say America where they can get money. Right. But you do need to vet some of these or else you're just going to have free movement. You can't just have free movement if you want to have two separate sovereign countries. So did you see the article? (laughs) This is so funny when I saw it. Uh, Biden met with Mexicans, the Mexico president. Yeah. I sent that to you. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. This is a little side tick. So, you know, anyone who remembers the 2016 election campaign with Donald Trump said that he was going to build a border wall and Mexico was going to pay for it. And then when he became president, he reiterated the same thing and even met with the Mexican president and said that we're building a wall and you're going to pay for it. And the Mexican president just laughed in his face and said, no, we're not fucking doing that. Well, Biden met with the president of Mexico And the president of Mexico agreed to installing new measures for protecting the U.S. and Mexico border with either a wall or whatever it would, extra security, whatever it is, and said that he was going to pay for it. He was going to pay $150 million. Or was it a billion? Billion. Or $1.5 trillion. It can't be trillion. That would be way too much. Probably $150 billion. And it it was hilarious. Mexico was finally doing it, but under a different administration. Just to, honestly, just to really, because you know Trump's going to see and hear that. Oh, yeah. Just to fucking piss him off. And it starts with Joe Biden saying, my friend, it's nice to have you back in the White House. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's awesome. So that's immigrant news. If anyone wants to kind of learn more about that. All right. So getting into the other news story, uh, it kind of goes into both politics and just general news. But the guy that we mentioned earlier, Senator Tommy Tuberville, who is a senator from Alabama, yes, uh, is under controversy. And I'm not sure if you know the second reason why he's under controversy, but you can go into the first. I do not. So the one that I have is may not be what Eric has, but he has been holding up military promotion since March, and it's about and it's up to about 300 holds. And here's what actually President Biden is quoted on saying and how this affects the military. He's quoted saying, this partisan freeze is already harming military readiness, security, leadership, and troop morale. Freezing pay, freezing people in place, military families who have already sacrificed so much, unsure of where and when they change stations, unable to get housing, or start their kids in new schools. Which is actually super important because my girlfriend is an army brat, and her two sisters are as well, and I've heard their stories about moving around and not knowing what's happening in the military really does stunt a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And this this is the most ridiculous part of the whole thing. This is all due to a new defense department policy to reimburse ser- service members who must travel to seek an abortion for those travel expenses. Yeah, so I write into this a little bit, and it's a super petty explanation as to why he wants to hold up these promotions, simply because they want to have you know protection for their own reproductive health. Weird. Which is fucking crazy. So because of that, he's holding up 300 promotions, and one of them is the like the top-tier person who oversees the Marines, mm-hmm. and it's the first time in a long-ass time that they haven't had one. It's ridiculous for something this petty. Yeah. One of the mini uh, resolutions that was suggested was actually led by our own Senator Joni Ernst that was to vote on an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, or the NDAA, that would reverse the abortion travel policy. Relatively simple, right? Did not happen. Um, Tuberville actually criticized Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer for his lack of outreach to him to make a deal, saying, there's no conversation from the other side. It's our way or the highway. How does that help? They're not worried about it, I guess. I hate it for the promotions and all that. And here's where this irritates me. You, sir, are putting all these holds in place yourself. And you're going to sit and bitch and moan that someone's not playing your game. Well, why aren't they coming to talk to me? They must not care. No, dude, you don't care. You're the one that's holding out the promotions. Exactly. 300 of them. Yeah, and this is like both sides, Republicans and Democrats, are irritated. An- irritated at this. Of Like, this is a simple thing. This is not political. At least it shouldn't be political. Like, you clearly don't care about a service member. I don't care if you like abortion or not. I don't give a shit. This goes beyond that. This is literally affecting how our military can operate right now, mm-hmm. and you are the one cause. Yes. How can you seriously sit here and tell me you care about national defense when you are the one causing our defense to be at risk right now Mm -hmm. makes zero fucking sense for something this goddamn petty. And one of his, uh, constituent, not constituents, one of his, I guess, colleagues from North Dakota saying, yeah, I mean, I agree with what he's doing. He's making the hard play. It's like, are you fucking kidding me again? I do not give a shit what you feel about abortion. This goes way beyond that. So the second aspect that I want to get into as to why he is pretty controversial is that recently, 
he was asked about white nationalism and if he's a racist. Oh, God. He's a senator from Alabama, so the <laughs> likelihood that... And he's white. The likelihood that he's racist, uh, pretty high. most certainly yes. So <laughs> because of that, uh, on public television, on CNN, I think, in an interview, they asked him, are white supremacists and white nationalists racist? And he said no. And they asked him, well, then what is a white nationalist? And he responded with, I believe a white nationalist is an American. What does that mean? So this guy not only is doing this, but it gets worse. He thinks that white nationalists are not bad, one, and two, racist. When by definition, they are. White. White nationalists. Nationalists. It is in... White supremacist. Yes. What does that mean? Let's break this down. White, well, color white, supremacist, supremacy, to be supreme, Mm -hmm. to rule over. To be above. Let's put those two together. White, to be above. Yes. Someone could misconstrue that and say, you're supposed to be above white people, but we all know that's not the case. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, when I, so I was aware that some senator was not, you know, moving promotions for military people. I didn't really pay attention to who it was. But then I saw this of like, oh, this Alabama senator is like saying that white nationalists aren't bad and that they're just Americans, which is so fucking wrong. To be fair, their nationality in their birth country, might be America. True. Does not mean that they're not racist. True. 100%. And then I read this, and I'm like, oh, it's the same guy. God, he's fucking dumb. This track. <laughs> yeah, this guy is just a whole bunch of dog shit in a bag. Jesus Crazy. Yeah. All right, want to get into price topics? Yeah, so I just called mine eager Xbox. This is actually pretty entertaining. So an eight-year-old kid named Nash wanted to wanted an Xbox so bad that he actually applied for a dishwashing job at a local restaurant, and he got a call back, and they quickly realized that he was too young. So here's how he got the call back. So he used a loophole in the application to apply because they didn't specifically ask for an age and didn't ask for a date of birth. What state was this in? I can't remember. It's in the link. Okay. Um, but for his age, he put... Under 18. <laughs> okay. You have to be 16 in the state to work. I did read that. Uh, the restaurant manager invited him to an orientation where they presented him with a t-shirt with the name of the business on it and an Xbox. Okay. The kid was actually sad that he didn't get the job. Well, that's kind of nice. He and actually then, wanted to do some work for it. Yeah. And then in a statement, the restaurant had posted a video of like the orientation and they said, we received an in- Interesting application for hiring the newest Drake's location, which is the name of the restaurant. Nash stated that he was looking for his first job so he could save up money for an Xbox. We gave the number on the application to call, and it turns out Nash isn't quite old enough to work at Drake's yet, but invited him to orientation for a surprise. Nash, welcome to the Drake's family. Okay. And at the opening of the store, he was there for the ribbon cutting. So what I would also hope is that not only when, you know, he got recognized by the restaurant but like when he's of age he can actually start working there i mean eight years that would if they can last that long that would be a pretty sweet gig for him it is their third location so i would imagine they're doing well enough to sustain themselves for eight years yeah i would hope so right but man it's funny like look go up scroll lexington so i mean that could be a couple different states kentucky yeah scroll up really quick if you look he told wcnc which is a uh news Affiliate. Yeah. I'm very good at dishwashing. Yeah. 
You know, that's cute. <laughs> it's awesome. If he was living in Iowa, he'd be able to work. Yeah, right? <laughs> and Ohio. Uh, I named mine Otter Danger. I saw that. Like, Otter Danger. Weird. So, there is an otter in California that's on the run. What? From local uh, and federal authorities, wanted for aggressively confronting locals and stealing surfboards. Surfboards? Mm-hmm. So, a five-year-old female otter, known officially as Otter 841, has been deemed a public safety risk by the state and federal wildlife officials because of her, quote, unusually aggressive behavior along the Santa Cruz coast. <laughs> so Monterey Bay Aquarium staff are attempting to capture and rehome the otter to an aquarium or zoo, but to no success yet. Can't, can't capture her. Uh, <laughs> There are several locals who are opposed to the plan of capturing Otter 841. Uh, one activist did a demonstration where they were dressed as an otter holding a surfboard and held a sign that read, Keep 841 Free. Uh, Anne Stadler voiced her support of the Otter 841 in a letter to the editor of the Santa Cruz Sentinel published uh, a few weeks ago saying, quote, I don't have all the facts and history of the incidents, but it just seems to me to be yet another example of humans feeling that they have the right to or right of way on the earth and that other uh, contemporary species and their rights to their native habitats are expendable. Fair I can, enough. I can see that. Uh, Otter 841 was originally born and raised at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, but was released into the wild in 2020. Experts say that the otter could be behaving this way because of positive interactions with people, such as feeding, which could explain why she's not exhibiting a healthy fear of humans. So the fact that, you know, people were giving her food and being nice to her made her want to be around people and then therefore is kind of harassing them <laughs> in a way. But, you know, whatever. Who the fuck cares? It's an otter. It's, I think, going to be fine. I don't know if there have been any otter-related deaths. Right. So, imagine, imagine though that I mean, seeing an otter teeth, trying to steal Surf the surfboard. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing the human can overpower an otter. Just a just a shot in the dark. Shot in the dark. They are. I mean, there are animals, so people are probably like more scared of it than they probably need to be. But right. you know, it does have teeth. It does have claws. So I can see why the fear comes in. I just thought that was so fucking funny. That's awesome. It is harassing people and stealing surfboards. It's wanted by the state and federal government. And it's evading. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like it can't be caught. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Politics and News of the Detention Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please spread the word and encourage others to listen. You can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1, or you can send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. You can listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, your detention has been served. We will see you again next week.